0: Let us pray. Gracious God, in these difficult times, draw near to us with wisdom and truth. Quiet in us any form of distraction. Enable us to hear your voice and your teaching. Let your words shape our lives this day and all the days that follow, amen. Today's scripture is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verses 28 through 38. Jesus said, But I say to you that, listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. If you do good to those who do good for you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap, For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Well, it has been a few weeks now, but you might remember that we recently wrapped up a sermon series, Things Jesus Never Said. We worked our way through a short list of things that he never actually spoke aloud, like God doesn't give you more than you can handle, and everything happens for a reason, and money is the root of all evil, other things like that, things that Jesus never said. Today's gospel lesson, though, is chock full of things that he did say, and honestly, many of them, things we might find ourselves wishing he hadn't. Things like love your enemies and do good to those who hate you and bless those who curse you. Things that are hard to embrace and embody. Lend to those in need, expecting nothing in return. Be as merciful as God is. Do not judge, do not condemn, just offer the other cheek. It sounds good, but surely Jesus realizes the implications of what he's asking, right? He must have because he begins this portion of his teaching by saying, but I say to you who are still listening, the verb for listen there at the start, it's not a one and done sort of thing. It indicates a regular and ongoing, not yet completed action. I say to those of you who are still listening, He must have realized that some of the people gathered around him were already beginning to tune him out. It may be helpful to remember where we are in this gospel right now. Jesus is in the middle of the Sermon on the Plain. In Matthew, it's known as the Sermon on the Mount. When Luke tells the same story, Jesus' sermon is shorter, but it stings a little more. Matthew includes the Beatitudes. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the peacemakers. Luke includes blessings, but also woes. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. But woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. And woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. And then he says, woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to false prophets. So no wonder the next words he says are, now to those of you who are still listening, There must have been more than a few who had slipped away from the crowd already and more than a few who were checking their email and scrolling through social media as a way of staying present but not really listening. Now to you who are still listening, love your enemies, he says, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. Another way to think of these instructions is do not retaliate. Do not engage in an an eye-for-an-eye kind of thinking. Do not give people what you think they deserve. As people who long to live in God's world, be actively different. Do the opposite of your first natural inclination. Do not seek to return evil for evil. Now, moral and social responsibility requires us to pause for a moment here and acknowledge that the church has often misused these verses. I spent a few years volunteering as a domestic violence first responder. And in both that work and my current line of work, I have heard from women who stayed in abusive relationships because their pastors pulled out these verses and insisted that the holy thing was to stay in a dangerous situation. That is not what Jesus is saying. And I have also heard from people who were taught that these verses must mean that regardless of how inhumane another person treats you, you cannot stand up for yourself. I have also heard that called doormat theology, and that is not what Jesus is preaching either. Jesus isn't advocating for the mistreatment of anyone God does not desire for any of God's people to accept abuse or evil and somehow believe that God's will is wrapped up in there. Jesus does instruct us to avoid retaliation. He does not counsel passivity. It's actually the exact opposite. His sermon is about restraint and generosity and kindness and all of these things as intentional actions that will inevitably and eventually expose injustice and evil for exactly what they are the theologian walter wink he explains this better than anyone else he says that jesus teaches a master class here in nonviolent resistance to oppression Here's an example. In first century Palestine, the time and culture in which Jesus lived, a person's left hand was used for what we will simply call bathroom functions. The implications of this cultural norm meant that no one ever struck another person with their left hand. It simply was not done. To do so, To strike another person with your left hand would reflect worse on you as the slapper than the one being slapped regardless of their wrong. But beyond that, cultural norm further specified that if you were considered superior to another person, well, you would only strike them with the back of your right hand to strike someone with the palm of your right hand, well, that signified your recognition that they were your equal. So left hands never used. The palms of right hands never used. At least not unless you wish to communicate enormous concession. And that changes everything About Jesus' words, if anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. If his followers turn the other cheek after being struck with the back of someone's right hand, they have forced their oppressor to either acknowledge them as an equal or stop harming them altogether. It is an act of subversion of nonviolent resistance. It is a way of finding a way for life to emerge out of an unlikely situation. And it's the same thing when Jesus says, From anyone who takes your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. This sort of situation would arise when one owed a debt to someone else, and usually an unjust debt. It's also helpful to remember that in this time and place, most people wore exactly two garments, an outer coat and an inner shirt. Therefore, if an unjust debt collector came calling and you handed over both your coat and your shirt, well, you are now standing there naked, something that was even more scandalous then than it is now. There were rigid restrictions about the payment of debts, and one included that you could not leave a debtor naked at sundown, no matter what. And so, yet again, Jesus offers another way a non violent, non retaliatory, active resistance because you've put this together already. If you give your shirt to that debt collector is inevitably going to insist that you keep it. And in a moment of panic, well may throw your coat back at you too in hopes that you will just cover up with whatever is closest. This would keep you from exposing yourself, but also from exposing the injustice of that moment. It would be a much bigger scandal than the debt ever was. John Carroll is one of the leading scholars on the Gospel of Luke, and he puts it this way. He says, In the vision Jesus has for this world, genuine power resides with those who, when they are faced with evil, respond with unflinching, courageous, non-retaliatory kindness. Genuine power in this world resides with those who, when faced with evil, respond with unflinching, courageous, non-retaliatory kindness. Can you imagine living in that world? Willie James Jennings, a theologian from Yale, well, he once reflected that to live in that way would make a dramatic difference in our interpersonal relationships. He said grace is living in the possibility of what does not yet exist. Grace means that you can actually look at another person recognizing that there's not only things you don't like, There's things you hate and you can still ask yourself to be open to the possibility that something can be created right now where there is nothing. Journalist Kristen Powers She released a book in the past year or so. It's titled, Saving Grace. Speak your truth, stay centered, and learn to coexist with people who are driving you nuts. In the beginning of her book, she writes, grace helps you see that other people's beliefs and actions belong to them, and that marinating in judgment, rage, hatred, frustration, and resentment toward them helps nobody, and in fact, harms you. Grace is an orientation toward the world and other people, she writes. When Jesus says to love your enemies, he isn't talking about the love we have for friends or family or chocolate. He is talking about what the Greeks call agape, or as the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. described it, a redeeming goodwill for all people. That means seeing the divine spark in other people, no matter how you feel about them or what they are doing. Loving someone, she says, has nothing to do with liking them. It simply has everything to do with grace. So no wonder that Jesus begins this whole portion of his teaching Addressing whoever it is who might still be listening. Because living life according to the love of God that is expressed through unflinching, courageous, non retaliatory kindness. Well, what do you think? Is it even possible right now? Especially this week? It has been a long few days. At the top of a long, long list of heartbreak, Russia, at the direction of its president, invaded Ukraine, inciting war. Now, I can't pretend to know what it is like on the ground in Ukraine right now, or Russia either. A friend of mine is a Navy chaplain and he has passed on some of the stories he is hearing. They are not the full story, but they are part of the story. It seems that even before the invasion, shops and stores in the capital city of Kiev had run out of Bibles. Anatoly Rachiets, the Deputy General Secretary of the Ukrainian Bible Society, he said, our biggest problem is this we need more Bibles. It turns out though that what my friend was hearing was not about empty piety or another country's form of Christian nationalism. A minister in the Baptist Union of Ukraine, Igor Bandura, last week he had prepared a sermon for his congregation about marriage. As the conflict escalated, Understandably, he changed direction quickly. But interestingly, he did not pivot to a passage of scripture about quieting fears. He did not choose a passage of scripture about waging peace. He did not select a psalm offering assurance that God would rescue them and that their opponents would fall. He focused on prayer prayer for wisdom and courage in difficult times, and prayer for those who are now officially their enemies. The Ukrainian pastor said, our greatest prayer right now must be for the Russian people. And our second greatest prayer, the one that is for ourselves, must be that no matter what happens, we will respond with Christian character and not with human hate. That is unflinching, courageous, non-retaliatory kindness to the extreme. And I am not sure if I would be able to offer the same. Even still, Jesus says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and make no mistake, life would be easier if Jesus had not said those things, but he did. And not only did he say them, he lived them. He insisted that that is the way of life that God intends for us all. Because that is the way of life that contains the power to change everything. Unflinching, courageous, non-retaliatory kindness. May we be among those who are still listening. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief.